0: Good morning and welcome to another episode of Crime Over Coffee. We're your host. I'm
1: Abby. And I'm Erica. Today I'm going to be telling you guys about the disappearance of Brandon Swanson.
0: Support yourself a strong cup of joe and let's dive in. continue on with our content for this week's episode shortly but first we wanted to take a moment to let you know about an opportunity to listen to even more crime over coffee content by signing up for a patreon you can receive ad-free episodes and additional content to check out this opportunity and sign up for the crime over coffee patreon visit www.patreon.com slash crime
1: over coffee pod thank you again for all of your support so for those of you that are familiar with the disappearance of Brendan swanson you you probably know that there are quite a few similarities to the Bryce Laspisa case, which if you're a longtime listener, then you know that that is a case that is one that has always stuck with me. While we're going through this episode, there are going to be quite a few things that I think you're going to see as a similarity to Bryce Laspisa, along with other disappearances that we've covered. Another case that we've covered that's similar to it is Brandon Lawson, uh, which can get confusing when you're looking into a new episode about another Brandon So on May 13th, 2008, 19-year-old Brandon Swanson had just completed his first year of school at Minnesota West Community and Technical College, and he was ending the year by going to celebrate with some friends in Canby at one of their houses. He hung out with his friends for a few hours and then ended up leaving the party shortly after midnight to head the 30 minutes home. Around 1.54 in the morning, so this would have been on May 14th, Brandon's parents, Brian and Annette receive a phone call from brandon and he tells them that he had gone off the road in his car and it was stuck in a ditch and at this time he was driving a chevy lumina brandon told his parents that he had been trying to get his car out of the ditch but was unsuccessful and so he was going to need help he did let them know the car was not injured he was not hurt and he literally just needed help getting the car out of the ditch Brandon's parents asked him exactly where he was at and he told them that he wasn't quite sure as the drive from where he was at in Canby to his home in Marshall was just a straight shot on Highway 68. There wasn't a lot of mile markers or anything to indicate necessarily where he was specifically located. So he described it as best as he could and his dad's like, okay, that's only like about 10 minutes from our house so we we can meet you there. So his parents hop in the car and... They start driving to him. They do stay on the phone with Brandon, who tells them that he is just going to wait with his car until they arrive. About 10 minutes later, Brian and Annette do arrive where Brandon said he was. However, Brandon and his car are not there. So they ask him if he could see where they're located. And they, and Brandon's like, I can't see you. So they start honking their horn and flashing their lights trying to see if Brandon could hear the horn or see the lights flashing. And Brandon's like, nope, I I don't hear you. I don't see you. Uh, So you obviously didn't go to the spot that I told you to. And they're like, no, we went to the exact location like you described. Could you describe it again? So he gives them directions again. They're like, it looks like it should be this spot. So what they do instead is they're like, can you start flashing your lights so that we can see if we see you anywhere? And so Brandon says that he does, and his parents said that they could even hear the like clicking of him turning his lights on and off, but they couldn't see him anywhere. They could just hear the clicking through the phone. It is noted that this is kind of odd because they were on a road that was surrounded by open fields, and they should have been able to see the light if he was anywhere near where he had described he was, but they couldn't. So they stayed on the phone with him, continuously just asking him to keep describing where he was, what he could see and brandon was noted to have gotten very angry during this call which i don't know that you can really blame him i mean i would be frustrated if i had gone off the road it's 2 a.m and i feel like my parents aren't necessarily listening maybe i'm not giving the best directions but i can't blame his anger
0: yeah i'd probably be pretty frustrated too at this point
1: so brandon gets frustrated enough that he hangs up the phone on his parents Annette, his mom, was like, nope, we're going to call you right back. So she does, and Brandon does answer, and they talk some more, and Brandon's like, I'm going to just, like, start walking. I see some lights, and it looks like it's a town, and he thought it was the town of Lind, which was on the way home from Canby to Marshall on that Highway 68. So he's like, that's got to be the town that I'm seeing. I'm going to walk to that. There's a bar that is in Lind, and we'll just meet in that parking lot. So his parents are like, Perfect plan. I like that. We'll meet you there. Was he
0: drunk or I'm I'm surprised that he they weren't able to figure out where each other were when it's clearly a small area that they've likely traveled before.
1: Correct. So he was reportedly not. When they ended up going back and talking with some of his friends later, his friends said that he had at least one shot of whiskey while he was at the party. But they said that he wasn't intoxicated. He wasn't acting drunk. He didn't seem at all unsafe to drive or anything. Brandon starts walking to this town of Lind to the bar, and his father drives there to go meet Brandon. They stay on the phone throughout this, and Brandon's kind of describing, like, where he's at. He's like, there's fields, there's fences, I'm walking along a gravel road. Then he's like, I'm going to cut through the field here because it's going to be a little bit quicker. And he also at one point mentioned to his dad that he could hear running water from somewhere nearby. He said he couldn't see anything because it was pitch black out. So he just kept walking towards the lights that were coming from this town that he believed to be Lind. So a little after 2.30, so this is about 30 minutes after, well, about 36 minutes, I guess, after the initial call from Brandon to his parents. Brian hears Brandon yell, oh, shit. And the call disconnects immediately. Concerning. Very concerning. And so Brian tries to call back multiple times in a row. And all of the calls just go straight to Brandon's voicemail. There's no ringing. There's no nothing. So this would have meant that his phone was shut off. Maybe it died or just shut off, but it wasn't, he wasn't ignoring the call. It was just going straight to voicemail or he could have just not had service. So Brian keeps driving to the bar and Brandon's not there. He goes around and starts driving on highway 68 looking for Brandon and Brandon's mom, Annette, call the friends that Brandon had been hanging out with and ask them to come help them try to find Brandon because he's just seemingly gone. So they start searching the entire night and they did not find Brandon or his car. They did repeatedly search the bar that they had planned to meet at just to make sure Brandon hadn't just shown up, but there was nothing. There was no car, no sign of him, nothing. 6.30 comes and Brian and Annette are like, this is not good. Like, it's been hours. So they call the Lind police to report Brandon missing. And of course the police... Kind of dismiss them and say Brandon is an adult and it's his choice to disappear. But that situation is so sketch. Like at the very
0: least, like like one of the least dire situations, he could have like hurt himself somewhere and like was in pain and needed someone to come get him because he physically couldn't get somewhere. Worst situation He got murdered or kidnapped or X, Y, and Z.
1: Absolutely. I mean, they were on the phone with him. Everything seemed to be fine. He was clearly trying to find his parents or have his parents find him. And then he ends the call with, oh, shit. And then there's radio silence.
0: Right. And if he wanted to just take off,
1: he wouldn't have called them and gone through all that. Exactly. So Brian and Annette are like, we're not taking no for an answer. So they stay there and they try to convince the police. They're like, you need to do this. This, Like, these are the reasons. And... After multiple hours, the police are finally like, okay, we'll open a missing person's case. So they go out and they start searching with everybody and they don't find him anywhere. So they're like, he's definitely not in Lynd." So they get a copy of Brandon's cell phone records to see what towers his phone had been pinging off of. And they realize that Brandon had not been near Lynd, but he was actually near a town called Taunton, which is 25 miles from Lynd. So he
0: was well off track.
1: Yes, which was noted to be really odd because the drive from Canby to Marshall that was on Highway 68 was one that Brandon did almost every day, going to school and home from school. And suddenly he just gets confused and doesn't know where he's at. 25 miles confused, that is.
0: Yeah, that's, that's really odd. I'm just thinking of like, you know, Places I'm super familiar with, especially when it's like maybe somewhere you grew up because he was going back to his parents that you've done that many times, like could damn near do it blindfolded.
1: Yeah, exactly. Well, and so Taunton was a town on the way home from Canby. So it was in the middle of Canby and Marshall, but it was only 13 miles from Canby. So maybe like a 10 minute drive. And somehow... Between midnight and 2 a.m., the farthest he had made it was 13 miles. Right. So there's like a good hour and 45 minutes that are just unaccounted for for where he was at. Obviously, now that they know that Brandon was near Taunton when he had placed those calls, they start searching there for his car. And they do end up finding his car in a ditch off a gravel road, which is about a mile north of the main highway he would have traveled. So he'd actually gone a little bit off of Highway 68 in order to get to Taunton. Like Brandon had said, the car was in good condition. It had just gone off the road. Nothing seemed to be amiss. They searched the car, nothing turns up odd, and it gives no indication of where Brandon could have gone. The only thing that was obviously different than what Brandon had described was the fact that he wasn't even on Highway 68 anymore, and he was in this other, whole other town. So police started to search his cell phone records even further, and they realized that his call to his parents had been routed through a tower, a cell phone tower near Minneota, which is another small town on Highway 68, about four miles from Taunton. So it's kind of all in the same area. So they just start searching everywhere between Taunton and Minneota specifically focused on the areas that Brandon's cell phone records had shown he was. They had helicopters. They had bloodhounds come in to follow Brandon's scent. Um, The dogs actually followed a scent trail for nearly three miles through fields and headed towards a abandoned farm. The dogs, though, continued past the farm and headed along the river called the yellow medicine river there was a specific part where the way that the dogs were acting police thought that maybe Brandon had entered the river there so the water was about knee high to around 15 feet depending on where you were at so obviously Brandon could have survived if he had gone in the water it wasn't immediate like drop off where he would have drowned necessarily so they took the dogs to the other side of the river to see if they could follow the trail any farther but the trail didn't seem to pick up on the other side. So obviously at this point, they're like, okay, maybe Brandon fell in the water and he did drown. So let's search the two mile stretch of river and see if we can find his body. And they had no luck. They believed that if Brandon had drowned, his body would have washed downstream. So they made sure to check there and they didn't find it. One thing I will say that I was really impressed with is the sheriff actually walked the riverbank 30 days up and down I i think every single day they went and walked up and down the river to see if there was any evidence of brandon or his body which is some dedication that we don't always see in cases like this yeah
0: do you know where the river eventually connected to did it connect to a lake or anything
1: i do not it just said that there was a two mile stretch that they searched extensively and i don't know if the river was only two miles long or like if it was just like i I don't i really don't know i mean
0: it would have hit something eventually but it's like it's minnesota so it's not like it's likely this um raging river with like all kinds of crocodiles and alligators and what have you you know it's not dangerous past the point of maybe there's some rapids maybe there are some rocks that could hurt him if he hit them right but you would think a body would pop up somewhere
1: And I think that's exactly what the police and all of the people that were searching were expecting was if he had fallen in the river, then his body would show up. But they just didn't have any luck. They ended up suspending this search after a week, but the family was like, we're going to keep searching. So they continued. And on May 24th and on June 7th, they had over 100 volunteers help and searching the areas that Brandon could have possibly ended up. There were zero signs of Brandon in any of their search. The search kind of went on hiatus for a little bit. Then in the fall, they started searching again after the fields had been harvested because it was hard to search through them, obviously. They brought in cadaver dogs again, and they followed a scent trail to an area northwest of porter and then they lost the scent and they didn't find anything so winter came and obviously snowstorms so they suspended the search again and at this point it said that over 122 square miles had been searched and there was no trace of brandon which is a lot they did set up a tip line that brought in 90 leads but none of them led to anything It was also stated that all of the searches combined had involved over 500 volunteers, 34 dog handlers from nine different states, and an unknown amount of hours looking for Brandon. And they still had not found him. In 2010, Minnesota Bureau of Criminal Investigation actually took over Brandon's case, and they're the ones that are still handling it at this time. They ended up focusing most of their investigation around mud creek which is near the yellow medicine river but they didn't find anything and over the next few years they just kept searching and never coming up with anything so to this day when we're recording this episode in may of 2022 there is still no sign of brandon they have not found his body they have not found any of his belongings or any evidence of anything so the information that we know to kind of recap some of the main points Brandon had at least one shot of whiskey while he was at the party. Friends said he wasn't intoxicated, but he did drink a little. So obviously friends could be wrong, I guess, but I think friends kind of have a decent idea. They, especially if they've drank before with him. So the call to his parents was after he had tried calling some of his friends and none of them had answered. As I had mentioned, Brandon was very familiar with that route he was driving on highway 68 from Canby to Marshall, as like I said, he'd almost done it daily. There were no alcohol or drugs found in his car, so they didn't believe that he was under the influence. He had had no problems at home or school. He was actually planning to transfer to a school in Iowa a few months later to continue his studies there. He wasn't in any kind of legal trouble. He was really close with his family. There there was just no nothing that was making sense really at this point so as i said brandon had never been found but with that his phone keys and clothing were never found either so we've got quite a few theories that when looking on different sites and stuff and just theories that i kind of thought of came up um so the first one is maybe he was struck and killed by a car while he was walking then the driver in this scenario would have panicked and hit his body which if you've seen, I know what you did last summer, you never do that.
0: <laughs> Fun fact, they just came out with a TV show based on that movie. And I'm super pumped to watch oh,
1: interesting. it. Okay. And you'd think maybe
0: they would, I mean, I guess you could technically get hit with a car and die without bleeding at all. But you would think there would be some blood evidence. Or it would have knocked his glasses off or knocked his phone out of his hand. Or I guess he could have picked those up too. It's possible, but I feel like that's a weird one. Like a stretch.
1: Correct. And that's what kind of negates this theory is there's no indication that he got hit. The other thing that kinda negates his theory is is Brandon had told his dad that he was walking through a field. He didn't he was cutting through fields, remember? And he'd mm. heard running water, he was jump like going by fences or over fences. It also doesn't make sense with the scent dogs, what they followed. Right.
0: Yeah, and you know, the running water would indicate that he was close to the river, where and that matches up with the scent dogs tracking it to the river
1: and the cell phone towers, right? So it almost seems like that's the way that he went. Another theory that I've seen come up is that he possibly staged the whole thing. That's a lot of effort, man. If you want to disappear, why are you putting in that much effort?
0: He would, it, it's weird that he would be on the phone with his parents that long if he was dipping out like maybe you just shoot a
1: text or something that's the thing like he he just stayed on the phone with them for a long period of time kept describing where he was made a plan to be up with them at the bar like if he wanted to leave on his own i think he would have just left
0: in his car probably
1: yeah but with that it doesn't explain where he went if he had just left on his own or staged the whole thing like
0: yeah, I So mean, he's a lot of questions. You said small town Minnesota and he left his car and was walking through fields. I would imagine to get to somewhere to find like a, even like a bus or something, he'd have to go pretty far in theory.
1: Yeah. Well, so the next one that's on my list is foul play. Like maybe somebody saw him and murdered him and took his body. Possible. Yes. No indication of it at all. There would be less, I think evidence if somebody had kidnapped him and then murdered him instead of like if he'd been hit by a car that would have caused a lot of evidence but the thing is I was looking and it said that this is like a really small rural area but it was saying like less than 200 people in some of these towns like it was small small towns so it was extremely unlikely for that to have happened or somebody just be traveling through there and just pick him up my
0: thought earlier when you were talking about him walking, you said past, he said past an abandoned farm, but my initial thought was, what if he went on someone's land who maybe had something to hide, or, you know, for whatever reason, saw a stranger walking around in the dark on their land and shot him, and then was like, oh shit, uh, what do I do, and then hit the body.
1: That's absolutely a thought that went through my head too with the abandoned farm. I mean, Mm -hmm. like, farms, have we talked about where murders have happened but it's possible I don't know if they ever looked into who was around there it's they said it was abandoned so like I don't think anybody like nobody owned it but maybe somebody was living there off the record I don't know
0: even if he ended up not at that farm specifically but ended up on someone else's property during his travels
1: yeah he really didn't know where he was and that's the next one that I have is he could have gotten lost The theory with this was that he was walking around. He heard the running water, like he told his dad. He might have gone into the river, which could have potentially been like his phone got wet. And that would have caused his phone to shut off and go to voicemail. And then if he'd gotten up and started walking around, he could have potentially died from hypothermia. Is what was stated. Because he would have just been wandering around in the woods, basically. However... They searched all this area, right? Never found his body. They did note that wild animals like black bears and wild cats are in that area. So they could have attacked his body. But there would have been some sort of evidence, like some shred of clothing, his phone, something. Or the And there was nothing. (laughs) Yeah. And none of that was right. I mean, they started this search pretty quickly. Within like 24 hours, they'd searched quite a bit of that land and they hadn't found him, right? Yeah. So it does. that doesn't seem super likely. I think the most
0: likely for me listening to all this is that he did go down the river and for one reason or another, they just weren't able to locate his body because it had gotten transported to a place where they couldn't find it or it got lodged, like went far enough down where they weren't searching and got lodged and never surfaced or something like that.
1: Yeah, obviously suicide came into play what was he suicidal it didn't seem like it potential head injury from the car accident the same thing those two things are the exact same that came up in like bryce Mm lesbiza or foul play came up in bryce lesbiza leaving on your their own like all of those things are very similar because there's just no necessary or necessarily any evidence towards one or the other there is one theory that i could see as a potential And this comes from a volunteer firefighter named Darren Delzer. So he thinks that Brandon had basically gotten lost. So Brandon was legally blind in his left eye. And so he wore glasses. According to Darren Delzer, Brandon forgot to take his glasses out of his car with him when he was going on this walk. Potentially, he had not been able to see between the dark and the fact that he didn't have his glasses on when he was on the phone with his dad he had said not another fence and then shortly after said oh shit so darren thinks that while brandon was walking because it was dark and he didn't have his glasses on he couldn't see didn't know where he was maybe he slipped into and fell into an unmarked cistern or well which is very common in that area and then he just fell down there and they never found him which sounds likely to me like for me hearing this this one and then the river story sound the most likely mm-hmm. and maybe maybe he had gone through the river and then got out of the river and then slipped and fell into a well or something and that's why he was never found yeah just the river story it, yeah like you said maybe he got lodged somewhere or something but there's just a couple unanswered questions with any of the theories that i just presented which is why it's an unsolved case that's really all the information that we have this time one good thing that did come out of this so brian and annette ended up proposing a law in brandon's name and this law would require law enforcement to take a missing persons report without delay after notification of someone missing under dangerous circumstances no matter the missing person's age Immediately conduct a preliminary investigation to determine if the person is missing and whether the person is endangered and promptly notify all other law enforcement agencies of the situation. So that's the whole law that they were putting into place. This was signed into law by the governor of Minnesota, Tim Pawlenty, on May 7th, 2009, and went into effect officially on July 1st, 2009, which I think this law should be in place everywhere no kidding brandon swanson has been missing since may 14 2008 he was 19 at the time five foot five inches tall weighed around 125 pounds had brown hair and blue eyes he was last seen wearing a pair of blue jeans a blue striped polo shirt a black hooded sweatshirt that was zipped up in the front and a white minnesota twins baseball cap he was wearing a sterling silver chain at the time and had a black motorella cell phone a wallet and car keys if anyone has any information on the disappearance of brandon swanson you can call the minnesota bureau of criminal apprehension at 877-996-6222 thanks to listening to this week's episode of crime over coffee you
0: can find us on instagram at crime over coffee or on facebook at crime over coffee podcast where all of our photo and video content for each episode can be found You can also email us your thoughts and case suggestions at at outlook.com. All of our sources can be found in the show notes for each episode. If you would like, you can support us by going to anchor.fm slash crimeovercoffee. You can also support us by recommending us to friends and family, giving us a good review on Apple Podcasts, or subscribing to us on your favorite podcast listening platform. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.